Welcome to the Evolve Podcast, a podcast about disrupting your life to spark new evolution. Evolve your body, evolve your mind, evolve your soul, and evolve your tribe. And now it's time to disrupt. And we want to welcome you to another episode of the Evolve Podcast. Today's podcast is going to be a little bit different than what we have done previously. We are fortunate to be joined uh, by a returning guest, a woman that was on the podcast uh, early on in the uh, initial stages of the Evolve Podcast. Uh, Jen Salerno, welcome back to the Evolve Podcast. Thanks for having me. I really genuinely appreciate it. Thanks yeah, it's great. Time. It's great to have you back. And, uh, you know, I think after we had the initial conversation when you were on the podcast and we talked about your brain health and um, the injury that you had sustained, uh, we talked afterwards about that there are more topics that we can dive into. And I was fascinated by our conversation and thought we need to get some time on the schedule to discuss uh, some of these other topics. So for our listeners who have not heard your story yet uh, or not heard of the last episode, uh, I would encourage them to go listen to that uh, podcast because I think that there are some phenomenal takeaways for anybody that uh, not only has had a brain injury, but anybody that is dealing with any sort of challenge in their mental health. Uh, because, I mean, let's be honest, mental health is something that still has somewhat of a negative stigma to it, um, which is mind-blowing to me, to be frank. Uh, we don't think about physical health in a negative light or some sort of stigma light. If somebody exercises or improves their physical health, there's nothing uh, negative about that. Or if somebody has a cold and they have some sort of physical sickness, um, there's no stigma behind that, but mental health sits in this bucket today where we still have a bit of a stigma. Now, with that said, I think that the conversation is opening up and I think that more and more people are discussing mental health topics and mental health challenges in a much more open way. And that's part of what we're going to cover today. But for our listeners who haven't heard the story, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about you and, um, you know, what happened uh, a few years ago with your injury? Oh, with the brain injury? Yeah. Uh, so now, Jesus, it's wild to actually say this, but it's seven years ago. Oh my gosh. I know. I can't believe it's been that long. A lot of time flies. Right. It's so wild. Um, but yeah, it was seven years ago and, you know, playing in the silks in the air fell on my head and fractured my skull bleeding internally in the brain, um, undiscovered uh, disc injury. So basically what happened is I kind of slipped into a little, little slumber for a few days, didn't wake up and woke up to find intermittent paralyzation because my disc and my cervical spine were piercing the flow of fluid through my spinal cord. So you just find moments of paralyzation collapsed into the floor, realized my brain wasn't functioning right anymore and concussion. So it just placed me in, um, the way I look at it now, an opportunity to dive into a deep state of meditation and uh, starting to discover how to heal my brain and how mm. to not live in a state of reaction because if anyone's had a brain injury or 
an intense concussion, they'll know that this thing happens that you go from zero to 60, like you're fine and you're calm and like everything's right. And then out of nowhere, this monstrous self like, a, like emerges and it's like, ah, you just erupt. And it's weird, like how someone that could maybe contain that relatively well before to get in a space where like, why am I even angry right now? But it's almost this uncontrollable experience. So then I just wanted to understand healing, moving through it, what modalities, one would heal my brain, two would help my regulation of my nervous system, mm-hmm. my emotional intelligence, right? All those things. And um, just kind of dove me down a rabbit hole, which then also brings like this healing space in many different avenues as I was going through all of this. Um, learning how to like speak normal sentences, find words, all that good stuff. It was just that experience to me, one, you know, the universe, in my opinion, is how I phrase it was just like, let's drop you on your head because we've given you enough opportunities to wake up about this one. Mm. And that one was really the one that did like wake me up. And I was like, I am not living my life in alignment with who I am. I'm making decisions aren't in alignment with who I am. I'm doing things not the way that I genuinely feel satisfied with, right? So I think uh, falling on my head, fracturing my skull, having a nice slumber, deep meditation and healing placed me in like just these ideal contrasting experiences to be where I am now. Yeah, so up to this point in your life, you had been fairly active. You were a runner, a sprinter. Uh, You would lift weights. You had been doing yoga, and obviously you were doing aerial yoga. Uh, So for our listeners who don't know what silks are, uh, you were doing yoga uh, where you're essentially moving through an aerial silk that are hanging from the ceiling. Is that correct? And then Yeah, Cirque du Soleil, those silks, those beautiful flowing fabrics. And so then um, something happened and uh, you fell directly on your head and had this, uh, this brain injury and that has led you down this rabbit hole. So tell our listeners a little bit about what you do now. Uh, you're still teaching yoga, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And meditation. Yeah, my, meditation is key for sure. I do a lot of mindset um, and I do mindfulness training. And it hybrids really well because yoga isn't beyond the asana, right? It's beyond the physical practice. Yoga literally means to use to become one. So it's to basically find harmony within oneself. So, it's, so yes, I still teach yoga, but it might look different than how we define that experience. You know, I think of yoga, I go to a physical yoga practice. Well, no, yoga is way beyond that. So I go more, I've gone more into more of a, quant- a quantum mindset coaching because I evolved into understanding not only like neuroscience and studying a little bit of uh, therapy, but then studying more of like the esoteric mystical side and hybriding it with the scientific side and understanding that the two of those actually marry really well and leave you in a really, really calm inner peace. Yeah, it's not just about the beautiful pictures that people post on Instagram. That's not yoga. Uh, that's movement, uh, and that's a part of it, but that's not the entire thing. There's uh, much more to it. And I know brain health is very important to you. And uh, for our listeners today, I want to make sure that we they understand we're going to dive a little bit deeper into a different mental health topic. 
so for the listeners, we want to warn you ahead of time that this uh, discussion is going to be something that might be triggering to some people. And I would encourage you that if you are uh, have experienced or have been a victim of any type of abuse, whether it's uh, physical, sexual, or, or mental, emotional, of any type, that this may not be the episode for you. Uh, remember that this podcast is just for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. Uh, we are not licensed professionals, and we are just here as friends to talk and have a conversation between two people. So if you experience or have experienced any trauma related to this topic in the past, uh, please take personal accountability and consult with a licensed professional. And remember, we're not here to diagnose. We're not here to prescribe uh, anything for you. Uh, Your health is your own. It's uh, your responsibility to take care of your own mental and physical health. And this podcast is not going to be any substitute for any type of counseling or coaching uh, or therapy that you may need. So I think we've I think we've done a good job of getting that out of the way, right? I think it's perfect. All right. So <laughs> today's topic is going to be uh, abuse, uh, sexual abuse, recovering from abuse, and evolving into the best version of yourself. Uh, so Jen, let's let, let's dig in. I know that you had mentioned before that it took you a lot of years to get to the point where you uh, classified what you experienced when you were younger as uh, abuse and that uh, you know you were able to set up some different boundaries at that point but uh, let, let, let's talk about why that is why does it take so long because this is not an uncommon uh, theme that we hear with people who have experienced some sort of abuse uh, especially early on in life yeah i think what happens is and it, again, this is going to hit for different. So my initial experience happened at 14. So as you're developing at that point, right, you're starting to understand who you are, mm-hmm. um, trying to learn how to be comfortable in your skin. My first thing happens at 14, and this is as I'm developing. So right out the gate, I get this hit, and that hinders this element of growth right? So what happens in those moments of trauma is you, your emotional state stops developing. Right. So fast forward through life, I lose uh, identity really of myself. Like I'm really confused. I, uh, you have a different viewpoint on how people look at you and then you don't feel like you're good enough. You don't deserve certain things. So you start to navigate through life in this interesting frequency I'll phrase it that way where you're just like I don't know how much I value myself because of the experiences that I've had my value sits here but it's not a conscious viewpoint right it's this subconscious way of maneuvering through life where you're like this occurred this is where my emotional state it was you know my emotional development was at 14 and it's like it slowly evolves as you grow and do some things and but my value system and worth of how I saw myself was not at all what it, what it is. Hmm. That's an interesting way to put it, that the value system and how you see yourself as worthy or unworthy, how you see um, and perceive what other people see in you, it uh, reaches that point of arrested development. And while you might be evolving and growing in other areas of life, there is a sticking point in the emotional side 
uh, maybe the perception that you have of yourself. Uh, talk about how that uh, painted uh, different aspects of your life as you grew. My, the choices of the men that I ended up choosing. Okay. Because if you think about it, if you know wherever you are emotionally, spiritually, however you want to say this, vibrationally, is exactly what I'm going to attract. So as I just stated, where I valued myself or where I felt my value was, what mm -hmm. I thought my value was, was what I was drawing in towards me. Okay. Right? And then I only thought I deserved so much because I'll use the word tainted because I remember feeling that way at a younger age, you know, like that I wasn't, you know, I was tainted. It's an interesting word. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that's a very common word that gets used with women and not men. You know, if men are abused when they're younger, um, you never hear that, but you hear that with women. And I remember growing up in a religion where that was actually taught. That was taught regularly that if a, if a woman was, uh, had any type of sexual encounter, uh, and even if it was some sort of abuse that they were tainted. I remember an analogy that was taught of, you know, imagine a clean two by four piece of wood where a hammer is used to pound a nail in. And you can take the nail out, but the hole is still there. And this was the analogy of what would happen to a woman if she were to ever uh, lose her chastity. And I, I look back on that now and think, oh my gosh, what a horrible, horrible way to teach girls. Um, and because it just continues to reinforce this idea of a lack of worthiness and a lack of, um, yeah, I mean, just that word tainted. Tell me why you use that word. Um, we're the same thing. Like, I think there is an ingrained belief system um, if you do grow up in. I think in a lot of religions, right. um, the purity is where you're supposed to be and um, save yourself for that person. And mm -hmm. you know, your body is supposed to be clean. So the minute that um, I was raped at 14, so the minute that happened, like that whole, like I will, I remember how I was, how light and vibrant I was. And then I distinctly remember right after that, I, my whole inner state felt like it died. Mm. Right. That part, that light vibrant was now tainted. It was dead. Like it was dead. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about how that then affected the way that you enter in relationships, who you attracted to you, who you got into relationships with. What else did it do? What, how, how did it affect you um, other than just the relationship with other people? How you treat yourself, right? So then you get you go into this mental state on how your, your relationship with yourself then alters, mm. right? How I once felt, saw myself was now different. That, that literally, that part of me at that time, you know, um, died. So how I saw myself wasn't that. And side note, I never told anybody. Well, it's not true. I didn't tell my parents. I told one person and her response to me, and she was like my best friend at the time was no, Jen, you asked for it. You wanted it. And I remember like every part of me just being like, oh my God, I can't say anything. Wow. And I didn't speak up. So you add that into the experience and how you feel. 
then comes, there's so much pain. I don't know what to do with all this pain. So then eating disorders start to rise up because you're like, what can I control in my life? Because I can't control all this other stuff. So what can I control me? I can control how I eat. I can cut myself because that brings pain somewhere else. And oh, I can start to, I went down this rabbit hole of like uh, drinking and things like that. Just like, well, at this point now, I'm just going to go have numb myself. Yeah. So then that whole part starts to open up. And because of how I saw myself, where before that would never have been an option, I was completely opposite. But now I'm, I have this internal, like, I'm alone struggling with whatever this is. And I feel like I am now this woman that will no longer be accepted because of what occurred, right? My virginity was done. Yeah. Who would want me at that point? Yeah, that's how I saw it at that young age. You, you, it's it's interesting because at that stage of life, we don't have the capability to understand all the emotions that are going on, mm-hmm. let alone to be able to process into some sort of functional um, moving forward. You know, how do we how do we then go to that next step? Right. I say we, I, I mean, anybody that's been through this type of an experience um, at, at that young age, there's just is not that emotional uh, development to be able to process that appropriately. Um, I, I mean, what a, what a difficult thing to go through and to have to process on your own. I think it's very common to find that uh, people uh, will reach out in in other areas, whether it's drugs, alcohol, mm-hmm. uh, like you mentioned, cutting or uh, eating disorders, those then become somewhat of a red herring for a deeper issue that's going on. Talk a little bit about the living through this on your own and not feeling like you could talk to other people. Where, where did that thought come from? You know, you actually said it because you were saying it's the way that people view it because this is what we're taught, right? So mm-hmm. when yeah. you are taught a certain way and the vast majority believes this way because this is what they are conditioned to think, right? Everyone thinks this, so therefore this is what it is. Mm-hmm. So then when this is going on, I, it was great. These other things like, yes, I was just talking to someone about this that we divert to what the masses think right? The woman versus the man that gets abused. Like you even said it, like, you know, the woman is now the tainted one. And so then when you get into that space and it's like, she was asking for it. Mm -hmm. She dresses a certain way. She looks a certain way. So therefore it's on her. So, uh, but that's for later in life. But as a young girl that's going through this and, you know, this 14 year old man, the, the stuff that you're developing at that age alone, and then you walk into a situation and kind of get out of the situation and the incident occurs to carry something like that in a home of where I didn't, after my friend said it was me asking for it, then I could, I was like, there's no way. There is no way I'm gonna tell my parents that this happened then they're going to think that I went out, had sex, and it was yeah. my choice. 
So then as I carry all this and then I go drinking and I'm like festering in the space, my parents are watching me be like this horrendous teenager. And yes, I was not a good teenager. Um, They're trying to like figure out what in the world's going on with their daughter. And they don't know, like they're asking questions like what's going on, what's going on? They never asked the specific question which isn't their fault, right? But I kept it right to myself because I wasn't going to say anything. To the point where they ended up taking me to a psychologist because there's like, well, did she lose, you know, is there something deeper going on? Is she depressed? She must be depressed. She's doing all this stuff. She must be depressed. So I go and see the psychologist. Then they send me to a psychiatrist because now I must really be losing my mind. This is what I think would be a good segue that most people do instead of diving into what's going on it's easy to offer something to take to so-called fix the problem yeah so this psychiatrist prescribes me a medication now yes was i cutting yes was i having an eating disorder was i acting out was i drinking was i doing drugs yes to all of that but then you put me on this anti depressant um and i can't remember what the the brand was but um whatever it was then put me in a completely different state now i'm suicidal Mm, wow so you add in the rape not being able to talk developing this is like two years of this so far so 14 now i'm 16 and now i'm suicidal and to the point where I was like, I can't take it anymore, which I wasn't at that point before. Was I in a lot of pain? Yes, that's what cutting is. Right? Cutting isn't suicide. It's a place to put the pain. Like right, I, right. right? So it's a completely different thing. Now I'm like, I just want it over. I remember like so many moments where I was like, I just don't, I don't want to live anymore. Never was a thought before. Hmm. To the, now I, one day I was like, all right, I'm done. And I take, I grew up in California and that was Price Club was in Costco. And my parents had this huge bottle of Tylenol, you know, the massive Price Club things. Mm-hmm. And they just bought it. And I was like, well, let me take the whole bottle. Wow. And I took literally the whole brand new bottle and swallowed it. And to be found on the floor. I was alone and then um, my mom came in and found me on the floor. At one point I always thought it was my dad and she was like, no, it was me that found you. And I think maybe because I remember my dad driving, but anyways, um, finds me on the floor because it would take that much. Good things aren't gonna come from that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably took some other things. I just remember downing that bottle. Then I fast forward, I'm in the hospital. Well, now I'm on suicide watch. Mm. And they, um, realize my weight is low and they administer me into um, uh, basically a, we'll call it a mental ward, but it was like a, a hospital for all of us unstable human beings. So that's when finally my, I actually talked about, it finally came up. I lived there for a while because of the eating disorder, the suicide, and I was not wanting to talk about what happened. So talk about what brought that out at that point. I mean, at this, at this stage of life, you've now, um, you, you're 
if you have an eating disorder, it's completely changing the way eating disorders for a lot of people. It's not, it has nothing to do with the food it has everything to do with the psychology of it. it has right. Everything to do with the sense of control, the food, mm-hmm. um, or the lack thereof. I mean, there are multiple eating disorders, but depending on, you know, and, and it really doesn't matter what a person is doing from a disordered eating pattern. It just, it's always about the sense of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so physically, emotionally, mentally, your body has been through the ringer. Your mind has been through the ringer. Your soul has been through the ringer. What was it that got you to the point where you said, okay, now I can talk about this? It was, we just had had like a, they had your family come for sessions or whatever. Okay. And I remember sitting with this group and you get, of course you get close to these people. Um, no, they did not put me in a padded room, but they, you get close to these other people. Um, and I was sitting next to this girl and she was my roommate. And she looked at, she, and so I had opened up to her, I think maybe a couple of days before. I can't remember timelines now as well, but I must, I had talked to her minimally about it. And she looked at me and she's like, say something. And so I was just talking about things and then I started to open up and finally verbalized to the, the counselor psychologist was sitting in the guided group thing and spoke up about the incident and I described what went on and I was trying to describe it in a way of well but I was here and I put myself and I was I was doing what most people place on you I was at this place I showed up to this party I you know, allowed this person to give me a tour. Mm-hmm. And then the, the counselor looked at me and then they called my family in and my family, we just had like a, they had a one-on-one session with me and then with my family and my parents were like, my mother was like, oh, it makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. So then that's where I was like, okay, so now everyone knows I was raped. Um, not everyone, but my family knew that I was raped. And so now, okay, now we can move through what this is. Did that fix it? Not even a little bit, not even close. Like finally I exit this facility, you know, think about a facility like that in Southern California it was not cheap and I was there for a while. So finally I exit there um, and they put you into society hmm. with no tools. Like I, I didn't, I, definitely didn't have any value system I didn't know how to navigate when other people start to come towards me and I'm like this teenager has no idea how to function through life that still doesn't know how to process the fact that I was raped and then decided to you know and then they did by the way take me off the antidepressant because I was not depressed and then I was like and then I'm suicidal and I'm doing all these things don't place me back without me really understanding what's going on right without the tools and the resources. Well, did, did you feel like, I mean, obviously it doesn't fix everything to, uh, to have the, uh, the rape and, and that, that challenge and that, that whole traumatic experience to have that out in the open, obviously having it out in the open doesn't fix it, but did you feel like that was a starting point? Maybe just in the sense of not hiding it. Okay. You still do not talk about it to the exact point of how society views it. 
Okay. Like even my, the counselor was like, there's a, there is a statute. She can speak up while well, an attorney, this is what's wild. The attorney was like, don't, don't have her, don't have her say anything. Why? They're like, why? Because all they're going to do is shame her and tell her that she was asking for it. Uh, like, they'll go up on the stand and he and they're like and they most likely will not convict them which is what you were already experiencing and feeling internally is the sense of shame yep so like, my parents okay. never did it they never had me follow through with with that which okay so then we just keep moving through life but now i view my relationship with the counterpart in a very different way mm -hmm. again back to the value system because how does society the masses view things Right. Yeah. It's interesting that um, I, so prior to our conversation, I, I just looked up some information because uh, what you're, what you're talking about in your experience, I've, I've heard similar thoughts and feelings from other people who have been through uh, sexual violence and early in life or have been uh, experienced some sort of sexual violence or some sort of abuse early in life. Uh, interesting stats that I found one in three women in their life will experience sexual violence, but one in five women will be raped in their lifetime. Um, half of all female survivors were raped by an intimate partner. And more than two thirds of sexual abuses are, uh, excuse me, sexual assaults are not reported to the police. Mm -hmm. And nearly 90% of child sexual abuse occurrences are not reported. 100%. No, that wild. is mind-blowing to me, 90%. Which, so, which I'm so glad you just read that because then that poses the thought, why is it that people aren't speaking up? Well, because of how it's going to be played out. So then nobody ends up speaking up. Oh, she's lying. Oh, that's not true. She was asking for it. It's right. a he said, she said game at this point. And then most people are going to, sadly, because yes, I'm only going to speak from my perspective, from my experiences and from what I what I know, I'm a woman. They will look at the man one way and they will look at the female, me, in a different way and be like, yeah, well, she should have, she shouldn't have. And it's me. When I'm like, this is mind blowing that it's me that needs to alter. Mm-hmm. And it's not looked at the perpetrator or the gentleman or whatever to be like, why are you acting on that behavior? Why is the accountability not being placed there and just being like, I'm the one that's Walter? Wait, hold on. Let's talk about some of these um, the, these dogmas and these stigmas that are asked, that are out there. You mentioned earlier the statement that I've heard multiple times and um, you know, I heard it growing up and I've heard it multiple times since she's asking for it by the way she dresses. Yes. Oh my God. Um, it's like so crazy. Talk, talk about, I mean, I've got my own opinions on this, but I want to hear yours. Yeah. I mean, I can, Why I will stand on that. I will so preach. fucked up. It is the most fucked up situation. And I have a daughter, a 17 year old daughter, a badass child. Mm -hmm. I let her wear certain things. And this is why, because of my experience in my life, um, I did. I've always been in shape. I have taken care of myself. I mean, granted, eating disorder, but like I've always been in shape. 
And I would like to wear certain things against what most people would, especially if they're religious, would want you wearing. And it was, looked at that. Well, you're, you're dressed like that. So then you're asking for it. Right. My child was just That's the belief, right? Yeah. You're, you're going to dress provocative. Then therefore you are asking men to look at you and lust after you. Like, what are you kidding me? How about why is the man lusting after me rather than being like, dude, that woman must be so confident in her skin and loves the way she looks and feels in that. Well, that's empowerment, but no, it's so slated in an interesting way to view it. And it's because the masses definition of how we're going to look at these things. Like we've all married into this way of looking at it rather than understanding that each individual gets to dress, act, speak, feel like they want to feel. So I've got a 17 year old daughter that's very aware of my whole life story and wears crop tops. And I have uh, the counterparts family that actually use those exact words on her birthday, telling me that she is asking for it. She's asking for things from to come her way that it won't be any good. She's asking for it. And I looked and I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. How dare you mm-hmm. place that on my child? Because that's your viewpoint, but you're going to place it on my child and want her to alter because that's your definition. So let's deconstruct this for a second. Um, in life, if we, if we shift to another area if we shift to another format of beauty when you walk in nature when you go walking through a art gallery if you look at a beautiful painting a beautiful sculpture uh my wife and i just went for a walk this morning and we saw this one bush that had one flower because it's springtime in utah there's not a lot of flowers but there's one flower that popped and we paused and we stared at it Anywhere in the world, beauty is celebrated. It's lauded. We're we're attracted to it, right? Shape, color, texture, tone. Beauty is not just in the eye of the beholder. There is, I actually was having a conversation with a colleague about this the other day, who is a, a fellow artist that beauty is not just in the eye of the beholder. There is a, an aesthetic in the world that we are all attracted to. But we don't look at the flower. We don't look at the mountains. We don't look at the painting and say, oh, uh, that in and of itself is creating some sort of lust or some sort of uh, negative emotion or negative feeling inside of me. We appreciate the beauty for what it is, right? And we don't put our own thoughts and feelings and emotions into that particular object and blame the object. But yet with women in society, we do. If you see someone that is beautiful, you see someone that has a body, a shape, or a certain way of dressing, and we look and maybe we have some feelings of uh that might be sexual in nature and then we say well they're asking for it no those are those are i'm sorry as a guy i'm telling you point blank anybody thinks that you need to look in the mirror because those emotions are yours those thoughts are yours those feelings are yours those chemical reactions those are yours and i'm not even saying that they're bad feelings or thoughts or emotions now whether you if you act on them in negative ways absolutely that is 100 on you and fuck you if you think that it's not 
It is 100% on you as a human being to own your emotions, thoughts, and feelings. But you cannot put that onto another human being, especially a woman. If you look at that person and you you have some sort of uh, tension there, whether it's sexual tension or just an appreciation. Right, rather than just like admiring their beauty. And I'm gonna go further. Like I watch women, individuals, even men, whatever, when they dress and you can feel see that they're confident in what they're wearing, it doesn't have to be seductive or whatever it is, but right. it's like you can right. tell when someone's like, I feel good, like this is me, like I'm enjoying the way I feel on this. Like it would be amazing if more people could just shift and find appreciation. And sure, you can look and be like, oh God, that's a beautiful human being. Right. That's fine. And you're right, it's the action point, right? It's the what happens after that that's on on you. And even the thought process during that. It's one thing, even just recently, um, that someone was saying to me that beauty is has been your curse. My mother told me that even when I was before all this happened, when I was super little, like people would come up to my mom, oh Jenny's so pretty, she's so beautiful. Oh, what a cute little girl. And my mom would always be like, but she's more than that. She's so beautiful inside. Mm. Right. So my mom was always like, oh my God. And she used to tell me, like, as I, after this all came out, she was like, beauty is your curse. And fast forward to now, because there's 28 years of random, almost every type of abuse you listed off. Um, fast forward to now. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I'm going to I love that there's the polarity of the two. Has it been yeah. a curse for certain ways? And, but the polarity to me, the contrasting experience is why I am exactly where I am right now, right? Mm. I am not going to alter what I feel good in or what I, what I dress in. If I feel good, you bet your ass I'm gonna wear, wear it because that's mm. what I like. And even to the point where I even altered what I would post because of men I was, uh, a, a man I was dating, if I, I had posted something of me in a bikini, he was like, what are you asking for? Do you realize what kind of people you're attracting by posting that? And I was like, oh my God. And of course, you know, where I was, I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't. And then now fast forward now, I'm like, no, I actually spend a majority of my life traveling and I am typically in a bikini. I like to be in the water. That's mm -hmm. most of my picture will be found and I am not wearing a lot of clothing but why is that negative it's not I feel good in it that's my happy place this is what I do my whole narrative is completely different yeah and I think it's I think it's important for people to understand and for all of our listeners out there that can relate and say yeah I'm with you 100% and then even those that can't relate even those that don't want to or that don't feel comfortable in their bodies those that don't feel comfortable showing what they have under clothes i there's not a right way you know mm -hmm. there is and that's one of the biggest things that i've learned over the course of my lifetime up to this point is there is not a right way for a person to live if you are the type where you want to dress in a way that shows your body because you you feel comfortable that way and you um just enjoy yourself and you enjoy movement and you enjoy your body great do it if you don't don't there is no right way whatever whatever speaks to that person and i think that's an important piece but the one key point i want to make that regardless of what your choice is that is your choice and mm -hmm. other people's choices are not your fault 
other people's choices and how they view it and how they see it, that's on them. Because this whole idea of you're asking for something because of the way you dress. Now, let's be clear, dress and how we present ourselves and an aesthetic, it does communicate something to the world. But what it communicates is also partially dependent on how the other person thinks about it. Um, you know, I've had people, when I'm dressed in a suit, I've had people tell me that uh, I'm stiff and I'm uh, uptight or I'm this. I go, there's a lot of words or verbs that are used to describe me, or excuse me, adjectives that are used to describe me that uh, I don't know that they necessarily described me in that moment, but that was the other person's perception. And that's fine. But I wanted to feel a certain way. So I dressed a certain way because of how I wanted to feel. This idea, this concept that a person is asking for any type of abuse because of how they dress is the most ludicrous thing that I think we have to deconstruct and completely eradicate in our society. I agree. Because, yeah, it's even, even to the point of today, you know, from 14 to where I am now, 42 years, you know, like now I'm 42, so 28 years later, I will still get certain kind of things. That's like, okay, so clearly it does. It needs to be eradicated. So it needs to be spoken about. And it comes down to the definition, right? We've married definitions. And yes. we become okay mm -hmm. with it. Yep. Why has most of society become okay with it? Right. So it's, it's fascinating. So that carries, especially with a, a female, because I can always get female perspective, it, that carries with a female as she progresses through life. Some women do a, different things. Some women will alter and start to cover up more. Some women will gain weight. So they're not attract, uh, so-called attractive anymore, right? Yep, very, very common. Right. Yep. So it's, so it, the woman alters, be okay in most of society's eyes. Yep. It's I so had a client one time that uh, she had experienced sexual abuse early in life. And uh, when I started training her, uh, she's, she had great success, lost weight, started to tighten and tone up and uh, was very, very happy with how she was looking. And then at one point, uh, just started to go in the exact opposite direction, went on an eating binge, started to gain five, then 10 pounds. And we had a conversation about what was going on. And I, I couldn't figure it out. The workouts were the same, but something clicked inside of her. And what we, what we figured out as we dove a little bit deeper was that uh, when she was younger and she started to get attention about her body, uh, that turned into an abusive situation. And so as she became an adult, she put weight on to, uh, to cover up so that she didn't get attention about her body. She only got attention about how sweet and kind and nice she was, uh, but the body was covered in layers of fat. And then once she started to lose the body fat, uh, she felt better until she started to get attention. And as soon as she started to get attention, that neuroassociation with attention linked back to something that had been a very traumatic experience for her early in life. And she said, I can't handle this, like subconsciously. She didn't consciously say, I can't handle this, but subconsciously there was a trigger and she started to eat and gain weight. And once we got to the point where she understood that was what was going on, 
uh, she was able to go get some counseling and get some help for it and has been able to navigate a much healthier perspective of her life. When we go through difficult uh, periods, abusive periods in life and these traumatic experiences, we develop these underlying belief systems, these underlying values, as you talked about, but we also develop triggers. Talk a little bit about how you have um, experienced uncovering some of these triggers and uh, what have you done as you as you found them? Oh, man, I feel like that's an has been an ongoing. Uh, I feel like it's that's the how I want to phrase this the right way, because I've had a bazillion triggers come through my life to now. And let's let's talk about that point before you move yeah, I was on. Like, I maybe begins. Yeah, I, I agree. There's not I need to dial it back because it's there's like, not a, there's not just one trigger, right? No, there's a, it's multiple and it takes years and decades to uncover them, right? Yeah. And then That's when you very you've done normal. it all, and then when you think you've done it all, hello, surprise, something surfaces and you're like, oh, where did that come from? <laughs> where did you, where were you hiding? Why did that just come out of me? I thought yeah. I was doing really good. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. And I think it has, there's a reason why for me, and I do believe a lot of women do this and a lot of people that go through different types of abuse, emotional, physical, um, sexual abuse, assault, do this. So, at, because we become pattern, conditioned pattern behavior, right? There's repetitions right. of behavior, right. which then, you know, that's why there are triggers. So, you know, she starts eating again because she, her repetition behavior is like, oh, that's why it isn't conscious. Right, mm -hmm. from a repetition, and mine—it's fascinating. Mine, like I was telling you, and I was just telling my daughter, twenty-eight years of abuse. If you map that out, like that's wild. Can you like twenty-eight years of placing myself in 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 experiences of abuse? Mm -hmm. Triggers. You bet your ass there was a lot of them. It's like taking a pen and scribbling it all over the paper and then looking at it and saying here's my map and that's why you're like triggers chaos. i'm like oh god how do you even start because there's 28 years of me placing and imprinting and conditioning and patterning and moving through and and then it wasn't until i fell on my head that i started to really really wake up mm. so like i'm 14 get raped Right. It comes out a couple years later, I get in a committed relationship with, you know, this guy that I was like, oh, my God, he's so amazing. And um, I mean, he was at the time. But let's be real. I wasn't healed. So, again, wherever you are um, vibrationally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally is what you're going to draw in right. and what you will right. allow mm -hmm. and what I feel my worth is. Do I know what my boundaries are? God, no, I had no idea at that point. He was he was hot. He was amazing he and i had a lot of fun together but then abuse starts to happen mm. and it's like okay so now i'm in another i'm in a situation that i thought that this relationship was awesome so then abuse starts having physical abuse mental abuse like i remember him throwing a knife at me and it crossed the room and he threw a knife and it lands on my foot and he like then throws me against a wall like so now we're in physical abuse mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll go fast through all of these experiences. And then, you know, what I find interesting is 
the his perspective is that you're bringing this on. Was it triggers? Maybe. Hmm. Was some of his behavior triggering from my rape? Possibly, right? Yeah, right. And then I go out with a girlfriend. Was I dressed in a way that I felt super sexy? Bet your ass I was, right? Because that's me as an individual. Mm-hmm. And I go out with my girlfriend. I have a drink. Get so I, I didn't even have the whole drink. You can, you know, I had been slipped a date uh, roofie. Um, because I didn't finish my drink. I don't even know where my girlfriend was. I remember being in line and I couldn't even like see straight. And being like, oh my god, my boyfriend that was amazing showed up. You know, we had had some physical abuse, and of course, I kept staying with him. Showed up and pulled me out of that. I don't recall very much of it. I don't know if anyone's ever been roofied, but you don't recall. It's like this weird snippet of like a movie. Like you just see little screenshots. Hmm. The next day, it's this like weird memory. And I just remember him grabbing me, pulling me and yelling at me. And we get in his car at that time. He was restoring a Mustang. So the inside hadn't been finished yet. And he drove that one. And I just remember him driving erratically and I was throwing all over the place. And then we get home. And the next snapshot I remember is him screaming at me, yelling at me, telling me what a piece of shit I was and how dare I. And there was a loaded gun held in my head. Wow. And I'm in the bathroom on the floor. He's got this nine millimeter pointed at my head, loaded, cocked back, and he's screaming at me. And I was like, oh my God. And then I blacked out. And then I come to the next day. Then I still stay with the guy. I'm like, what are we getting? This is when you know, like, you do not, you've got triggers and you've got value system and self-worth. Mm. I clearly have no self-worth. I stay in the situation, but maybe so good in so many other ways right this is the you hear this a lot from many people right he's so good maybe change i stay i did makeup um for movies and runaway shows and i happened to be i came home for lunch one day who was to be with him he was pissed i don't even remember at what he got angry at to the point he got so mad that he started to physically beat me up and he threw me against the, in California, a lot of things have like mirrors everywhere, especially at that time. Threw me against the mirror, I, like breaks. I start bleeding. He's beating me up. I'm, I'm like, what the hell's happening? I run to my car as fast as I can. He's chasing me out of the car. Jumps on my car, and I flee. Don't go back to the job I was doing because I'm like bleeding, and I'm like frantic. I'm like, oh my god triggers left and right right now now i'm like fuck now what do i do i run and escape to my father had a office and i had the key and i just like go into the office and i call my sister and i'm like i don't know what to do i don't know what to do i don't know what to do i i'm alone and my parents were ironically in utah buying they're looking at buying this distilled property so they weren't there and my sister is in arizona and she was like go somewhere because he doesn't know anyone now I had never told anyone that the guy had been beating me. I'd been with him for three years. Never told anyone that he was beating me. But at this point, I I couldn't even go back to work. My lip was bleeding. My eye was like already bruised. I was cut all over my back. And it was like, it was like a horror scene. There's dents on my car from him jumping on it. So I escape and I do all that stuff. Well, okay, now I enter and I move on in life. Triggers, trauma condition, pattern, behavior, self-worth follows me mm-hmm. later. 
I think I'm getting better. I escaped the thing. I did not stand up for myself, nor did I turn him in for what he did. Because clearly this is when the law actually would have listened because I'm beat up. There's actually evidence. Yeah, evidence of house, like not in DNA of blood all over the walls. Right. right? Mm -hmm. This is when the law could have, but did I? No. To the point, his dad was an attorney, a big attorney there. He um, called my father and was like, asked to pay me off. Mm, wow. To stay quiet, because how dare I even want to taint their name, but I didn't ever say anything. Anyways, I progress through life. I start dating. When you don't know who you are, and you're tainted and you keep getting into abuse and you're like, maybe I am asking for it. Do I bring this on myself? Is it my behavior that's pulling this out in individuals? Is this me, right? Maybe it is me. Because when you're in abuse situations from being raped to being physically abused, the question does become, because typically the, especially if you're in relationship, what I've noticed um, when I was at, in that relationship, it was always that I brought that out. It was me that said, it was me that did. Like the day that he held the gun to my head, it was my fault. I went out. I was so-called drunk, was not drunk. And I was the reason why he was pissed. It was my fault. Mm -hmm. Then I get married. Fine, I'd start dating this other gentleman and he was funny. So now I'm like, oh, okay, well, he's funny. He's charming. He seems to have his life together. He's got a great career. So now, oh, this must be, like, I must be doing better. I'm now with someone that seems to show up in a different way. I get married to this gentleman. Lord have mercy. When I tell you, this is when I look back and I'm like, each dot led me to now. Don't regret any of it. I love all of it because of where I am. But to watch and observe and notice now why those moments kept occurring because of my inner state. I felt internally. Hmm. and the things that I would allow and my narrative associated with the experiences because now I'm married to a gentleman and the minute I got pregnant his whole demeanor shifted and now I'm in not the same kind of physical abuse it was minimal but the amount of emotional and verbal abuse and then me being like yeah but it's it's okay this is fine it must be me. God, it was always spun back to me. I think that's that's something that's important to recognize that when you when you've been through abuse, you you do tend to tolerate a certain level. Hundred um, percent. You get to the point where you say, "Well, I'm okay," or "It's okay," or you look. You almost develop this really weird sense of positive uh, outlook on life, where you're only looking at the positive things. You'll you you're aware of the negative, but then you're like, yeah, but there's this and that, and it's this bad. is, but but there's, uh, but he's good looking, or you know whatever yeah. it is. It's not that bad, right? There's you no gun to my head, really... so it must be fine. Yeah, 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 and and so the, the standard of what what's acceptable. Uh, changes and mm -hmm. and it it is I, I which I think can become a superpower later on in life as you as 100%. you process through right yeah. that can become something that's a superpower but we you, you do get to that point where there's an acceptance of mm -hmm. uh, a certain level of behavior from other people 100%, um, until you change that right until you get to the point where you say all right I need 
something different in my life. I, I, I'm setting new boundaries. I'm setting a new standard for my life. Um, I need to lean into this concept of boundaries and I need to understand and uh, practice more consent type behavior rather than just allowing things to happen. Um, how did you get to a point where you started to, uh, to, to kind of wake up and evolve into this concept of setting better boundaries for yourself? And I'll honestly, just recently. And the reason why I think it's great for people that do choose to listen to this, that are open to it, that have been through any type of abuse, 28 years, I'm going to tell all of you, 28 years, I will be fully and 100% open because I teach a lot of mindset mm -hmm. just recently that I have mm. firmly stood in my boundaries and said no more. Mm. And what I find fascinating for anybody that's been through abuse, and it is true, you will, you're, it's not that bad, it's okay, it's not that bad. Yep. I told yep. you seven years ago, the universe was like, hey, it's time for you to wake up. You, we've been through, I've had near-death experiences with mo all these abuse situations, things like that, and other things. I was like, if I look back, it was the universe being like, is it time? Are you ready? Are you ready? Oh, oh you're still gonna, you're still playing in that realm. Okay, are you ready now? How about now? Well, the seven years, and with my, you know, I get married and I'm in this emotional, verbal abuse situation that, you know, was okay because it wasn't that bad. Yeah. Um, I won my hit my head and I came to, you know, thank you for letting me hit my head. I woke up and what I was observing and watching, I was like, I'm out. Why am I in this? Do you think at this point I'm healed? But like, again, I said, it's just not until just recently. Yeah. I meet another gentleman that's alluring and, you know, speaks really well and um, so much fun and every, you know, great to be with and traveling and all this, all these experiences and things are really great we fight and somehow it's my fault. I still don't pick up on it. We fight, it's my fault. We fight, it's my fault. I do this, it's my fault. Was I still triggered? You talk about triggers. This gentleman that I spent a good majority with in the beginning, I was not a, I was triggered left and right. And there would be behaviors of a 14 year old that would rise up. And mm. then there would be behavior of a woman that was beat up that would rise up. And so this is, like if you find yourself in these positions and you're like, whoa, this is what in the world is, was that outburst? Those are your moments of things being pulled to the surface. Now, depending on how deep the experience was, it is explosive. Is it okay? No, like, you know, some of your behaviors are quite erratic. But what I will say is being with this person started to pull all this stuff out. Well, then things smooth out. What I still found really fascinating is that I wasn't aware because he was different than what I had before, just like my boy, my ex-husband was different than the guy before and so on and so forth. Because this gentleman was different than what I had before, I was like, no, he's great. Other people saw something different. I wasn't noticing it. I'm like, no, he's, he's great, he's good, he's good. Okay, finally, I just recently, like I said, was like, decided to stand up for myself. And for a year, I would push back. And it was me trying to implement my boundaries. Mm. And then it would cause a rift. You're, you're, uh, you're being abusive, you're nagging me. And I'm like, no, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't prefer to be treated like that. Like that, I don't, I don't like. 
And it was this back and forth for like a little, maybe it was a little over a year. Cause I was like learning how to like try to speak up for what I wanted, my boundary. Yeah. To finally the relationship ends. I'm fine with it. We end it. And then I'm starting to look and I'm like, that was actually, there was a lot of emotional spinning and manipulation happening in that. What the hell? What is that that I continually attract that? Now, clearly, I'm not fully healed and triggers are rising and pattern behaviors still were occurring. To the point that even after you break up and there's no, there's no, like, don't come near me, like, leave me alone because that's what it needed to be. I, I need to, I want to be aware of what's happening and navigate and just rid myself of pattern behaviors. Like I'm at a point where I'm like, let me dissect. Let me, yeah. let me go inward. Um, I wonder if there's, there is a point though, where we completely get rid of it all. I mean, I, I, I wonder if it's, we have this process of growth and evolution um, where little by little we unravel the mysteries of our life. We unravel the mysteries of our past and we start to grow a little bit here and a little bit there. We might get triggered here or there. I wonder if there is a point where we're just like, okay, I'm good. I'm healed. Because I'll tell you, I don't know that I'm at a point where I look at myself and say, I'm completely healed and I'm great. I mean, when I was a kid, uh, I had a, uh, a grandparent that would uh, ridicule the shit out of me for what I would eat or not eat, would, would mock me for how small I was. I mean, think about it as a five, six, seven, eight-year-old kid. You can't do anything about your body. Your body is what it is, you know? I was a skinny kid with curly hair, and uh, I got mocked and made fun of for liking candy. What kid doesn't like candy? I remember one time... Um, uh, this individual tried to ask me if I wanted vegetables. No kid wants vegetables. And I said, no, thank you. And uh, then he said, well, do you want some candy? And my eyes brightened up. And I said, yeah. And then I got smacked across the face, fell off the chair, and then later got pushed into the wall and hit into the wall. And I think to myself, now looking back at that, like, God, you son of a bitch. Like, <laughs> I'll tear you. And what that did for me was, you know, it drove me on a path towards health and fitness because I wanted to build my body up and become strong and own who I was. But it wasn't until probably, I don't know, three or four years ago that I realized that I would have this like, um, every once in a while I'd have this binge cycle of just eating treats. I'd be eating well and feel great. And then every once in a while, I'm just like, ah, the hell with it. And I would eat a bunch of donuts, right? Or whatever it was, but I would do it like in this binge type pattern. And then that would go away and I didn't feel the need to do that. And, I, and one day I started deconstructing, I'm like, why am I doing this? This is, there's something deeper. And it dawned on me that eating sugar was the big middle finger to this, uh, to this older man that had hit me when I was a small kid. It was like, you know what, fuck you. I can eat whatever I want. I can still be healthy and I can do that stuff. And it was, you know, and then that pushed me to the next stage of my evolution. But uh, that doesn't mean that, uh, I mean, hell, last night, 
Danielle made has started making these donuts and makes them with almond flour. They're just like they're phenomenal. They taste amazing. They and and I can still smash a half a dozen of them in right. no time, right? But what's different is now I'm aware that that trigger is there. The trigger has not gone away, even though I'm aware of it. Um, but I changed my behaviors. I, I I took one. I put it on a little tiny plate. I went into the bedroom and I sat on the bed and I ate one and that was good because that's what I really wanted and I felt great with that and uh, I'm not denying myself because of some uh, weird belief that I have to. I just know that it, when a trigger like that comes up, I have the choice. So I just wonder, like, as we create, as we learn and we evolve and we pick out these areas of our life that we find, oh gosh, I, you know, this horrible thing happened and we, we find out what those triggers are and we start to create these boundaries. You know, do we ever get to the point where we're completely healed or is it just kind of a process of like, we're, we're kind of doing our best. I, yeah, I mean, we're going to, I don't I know. Wanna, it's not I don't know if I'd ever right? say fully healed, but it's the relationship with, right? It's mm. the attachment to beautiful way to put it. Yeah. yeah. I like so that. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's how I, that. yeah. That's how I view it. Like, um, I, I'm going to, yeah, it's definitely the relationship. Like my whole life experience, I don't regret any of it. Mm. And it's been yeah, 28 same. years of consistent, different types of forms of abuse. Right. And but now my relationship with those experiences, I'm appreciative of the contrast because like you mm. said, it's now my superpower because I'm like, okay, I understand what's happening. I get it. It makes sense. Now how, how I get to navigate through life is a much freer experience. I don't attach to certain things. Like for instance, like I said, just recently is when I implemented my boundaries. And for women that have been abused, please hear this. Boundaries are one of the most important things and standing up for your boundaries, no matter what that looks like, is mm -hmm. the most empowering thing for someone that has been abused. And it's one of the hardest things. Okay, and you got to talk about it too, right? You got to talk well, about it what's hard because you to bring it up. Right, but this is what's fascinating because my last relationship that I was in and people, and this is common, be it man or woman, because women can do this to men as well. So take this in whatever perspective, I'm gonna speak from mine. People that like love the person that you're with, of course, because they have so many amazing qualities. That's why you're with them, but there's always another side of the individual. Sometimes they are, they're open to evolving and sometimes they are just that way and people must admire them for who they are. And it's going to be a behavior yeah. that change, but people only view them one way. So if you say anything, it's me. It must be yeah, me. Right. So all, that's why I'm saying women that are out there, men too, but I'm going to speak from my viewpoint to women that are in this, this predicament. It's, it's okay. Speak up because you know what the truth is and you know what your boundaries are. And guess what? It's okay. If other people don't believe you, like my inner peace, I made a post about it. Like, I cannot control anything else that's going on outside of me. I have no control over the cars that are driving by my house, over the words that my neighbors are saying, over whatever that is, right? Anything outside of me, I have zero control over. Mm -hmm. 
Right. The only thing I have 100% control over is my inner peace. And I am, I'm not going to be a prisoner of it, nor am I going to be a martyr. However, I now understand, as you said, my superpower is going to be able to be a platform to speak about abuse and being okay to stand up and be like, you know what? Even if you're in a relationship with me, and even if we break up, it does not give you rights to impose on show up and unwanted, unwarranted. It doesn't give you rights to make advances and assault post, you know, when we're not together. Like I have learned at the most recent time what it's like to genuinely stand up for my boundaries to a point where laws included and things, it's mind blowing. And to watch the law not implemented, even though judges and all these things are like, no, actually, holy shit. What has gone down is not okay. This woman needs to be protected. But then when it really comes down to it, then the law is like, yeah, but he seems fine. Mm. And then the DA, you got money, you got a lawyer, will overturn that. Then there's a detective now involved for sexual assault. And the detective is like, yeah, I, I can see holes in their story, no holes in your story. I can hear him admit it in court. This will be fascinating to hear what the DA does. I, I encourage every woman to speak up. That teenage girl, I posted a video that spoke about the DA overturning her rape was like that moment in me that I was like, this is why we have to speak up. More women should just speak up, men too. Like speak up about incidences that go on and then, but also be okay with that doesn't, Yes, they should definitely be put away. Yes, that that should they, they should not be allowed to do this to other human beings. Yes, I get all of that. That's theirs to carry, it's not mine. But what I what I discovered is the process that I just went through. Restraining order, protective order, commissioner hearing, actually going to a trial to really stand up for my boundaries and saying, yep, nope, you don't, nope, this is actually not okay. I'm not gonna tolerate it. You don't get to stalk, intimidate, harass, or sexually assault. I am now standing up for myself. Like we are not together and no, do you get that opportunity to do it? I went through so much and I was like, it's a lot of work and God is it emotionally draining. But then I was like, why did I go through all this? Why am I doing this? And I was like, oh my God, no, it's actually all these years led up to this doesn't mean that whatever goes on from this point on, all these years led up to this one moment of me being to the extreme of learning how to implement boundaries, learning how to stand up for myself, value myself, speak up for my truth. Is That's why I'm like, it's just recently. Whatever the outcome ends up being, because there's a lot in the works right at this very current moment, I don't even know. It's okay, like whatever it is. I watched that girl talk about it. I know right now she's devastated because the DA overturned it. I get that. But the process that she stood up for herself, like this is the side that I think should be exemplified. I didn't at that age. So I watched that, I'm like in tears. I'm like, oh my God, how beautiful. The fact that she stood up for herself. Here I am an adult woman, finally standing up for myself, speaking up about it, 
that's the part that should be like awesome boundaries healing right understanding awareness now the relationship with the experience is now different the relationship with the donut is different with the sugar right yeah. it's different yeah whatever that might be trigger or not the relationship with is now different mm -hmm. the end describe it yeah it's the relationship with and my inner state my inner but i think it's a i think it's important for our listeners to understand too it's a skill right we i mean like you're talking about learning to set these boundaries and um understanding the triggers those are all skills you have to develop the skill of recognizing what your triggers are. You also have to develop the skills of setting a boundary, um, taking ownership and saying, no, this is my boundary. This is where my line is and I'm not letting someone cross this line, but communicating that in a way that um, is fully accountable. Uh, I, it, it's my boundary. I, I don't need you crossing this boundary. I'm not gonna allow you to cross this boundary. And um, if you do, then there are consequences in my life. I will not have you in my life or whatever those things are, right? Those are all skills. I think people can look at others and say, oh, but I don't have that in me. Well, sure you do. Any, anything that we're talking about today relative to growth, evolution, boundary setting, any of this stuff, it's all skills that people can develop. And I think it's crucial that people understand. It just starts with a small action. Mm -hmm. to set one boundary and then hold your ground learn how to communicate it in an effective way and then hold your ground and then just do that over and over and over again and you get really good at this stuff you really do and in practice. some yeah you just it's repetition you've had so many years yeah. of repetition like right. i have so many years of repetition of pattern behavior yep. same thing's gonna happen now it's just repetition and being like you know what this may not be the most comfortable situation, but I'm going to keep doing it because this is what I know is true to me and what I want and what feels good for me. And it is it's just keep implementing and moving forward. And communication, I like that you said that, is key. So when you do yep. find yourself in a relationship later, that experience is completely different. Dating yeah. becomes different. The relationship with the counterpart is completely different. It's healthy. It's like, oh my God because I understand and I now am around people that are in that same vibrational state, right? We attract where we value ourselves. Right. I want to, I want to bring up one, one last point, Jen, we're, we're coming up on our time, but I want to just talk briefly about one last point. I read something recently that talked about that people who have experienced trauma early in life, some sort of abuse, they have a tendency to kind of go it on their own. You know, they hold a lot of the pain in side they don't talk about it and they get used to dealing with these issues uh, and i'm using air quotes dealing with these issues on their own for many many years and that's actually can be a sign that a person has experienced some sort of trauma and they have not discussed it talked about it gotten help and i i remember a moment where i was talking to my parents and i was explaining to them um, just in a casual conversation, you know, I've accepted the, my parents are phenomenal people and never, uh, I never had any type of, uh, abuse or, or, uh, trauma or anything like that, uh, relative to them or my growing up life other than this one individual in my life. And I remember, uh, just mentioning it and the look on their face was like, we didn't realize that 
he was hitting you or that he we, we knew he ridiculed you and we told him that he could never come over to the house again if he said things like that but we didn't know that it had gone to a physical state and i remember being shocked at the shock on their faces and i thought well holy shit, yeah i guess i've just never really talked about it i you know my wife knew about it i've talked to her about it but outside of that i didn't talk to anybody about it because it was something that I was dealing with on my own. Your story, the same thing. It, I can't tell you the number of people that I've talked to over the years who have dealt with trauma and uh, abuse where it, they just hold it in. And I think if there is one message that our listeners need to hear, it's that, number one, not only do you not need to deal with trauma and abuse on your own, but number two, you shouldn't because we're not that good at it, even though we think we are. What we become good at is telling ourselves that we're healing and we're growing and we're, we can do it all on our own. It's a bunch of bullshit. It's just a lie that we tell ourselves. We have to have other people in our lives that love us, that support us. Sometimes we need professional counseling and coaching, uh, uh, medication, whatever it takes. It doesn't matter, but we need other people to help us out. And I would say that if there is somebody listening to this episode and they've made it this far, um, take, take a look in the mirror and say, ask yourself, am I dealing with most of my challenges on my own? And if so, you probably have experienced. Now, again, we're not diagnosing here. I'm not a trained professional. I'm just telling you from my experience and what I've heard from Jen and many, many people before that if you are used to dealing with all your shit on your own, you probably have experienced something you just don't know, you're not aware of, and you need to get some sort of counseling, coaching, or some sort of help. 100%, yeah, and I think it is key to, to speak up. There is a lot of fear associated with being looked at in a certain way. You're wrong, right. you're wrong, you asked for whatever, whatever that might be, whatever stage it's at, I've experienced it all up until recently still. So it's like, at that point, it's like, speak up, just like you're saying, ask for help, speak up. Mm -hmm. Regardless right. of what someone else says, right? We can't all, we cannot control what's going on outside or what anybody says, but a hundred percent of the time I have control over me. So I'm going to speak mm -hmm. up and be like, look, this is what is going on. You don't need to martyr or be down or any of that, but do speak up, do ask for help, speak up about it because with this and with all other people start to do the same and then they won't be mm -hmm. suffering internally silently like you're saying or going through years and in a repetition pattern and different experiences and allowing if we choose to speak up, the relationship right. will completely change. Yeah, your relationship to that thing, whatever that thing is, will completely change. And I think that's the key. You know, it's not about vilifying another human being. I don't look at um, another person and say, well, they were a horrible person. Would I like to meet that person now in this physical state and, you know, punch the shit out of them? Yeah, you bet. I'd like to say, okay, let's go toe to toe. Now that it's a little more even odds, let's do that. Uh, there is that darker part of me that uh, I actually think that would be funny to see. Um, as I just fuck them up. Uh, but at the end of the day, I don't actually think I would do that. But the reality is it, it's, it's not about vilifying another human being. It's about owning our shit and saying, I'm going to speak up so that there is 
this transparency in my life because as you said the only thing you can control is your inner peace and i think that being true to yourself and being honest with what is inside of you uh, that's where the inner peace comes from yeah. well jen i think we've had easier to be silent that's the easy button it is easy you know, it's yeah. harder to speak up nobody evolves by doing what's easy so i know it's a lot a lot more difficult well, Jim, we've had a beautiful conversation today. Uh, I want to thank you. Uh, I, I do want to ask you one final question, um, you know, that we like to ask everybody that comes on to the podcast. Um, and I know that there's no way that we can just encapsulate what we've talked about into one question. But at Evolve, we do believe that people evolve their lives by stacking one simple habit on top of another. It doesn't have to be hard. It just has to be consistent. If you were to give our listeners advice on the most important habit that you would want them to build upon today, what would it be? Speak your truth. Beautiful. Beautiful answer. Well, and on that note, folks, it is time for us to wrap up another Evolve podcast. I want to thank uh, Jennifer Salerno for joining me today. Uh, we've had a beautiful conversation, and I want to reiterate one more time that uh, while we dealt with a lot of difficult topics today uh, that can be triggering for other people, if you've made it this far then and something has stirred inside of you, we would ask that you take personal accountability and responsibility. Your health, whether it's mental or physical, is up to you. Uh, we are not trained or licensed professionals, and we are not here to diagnose or to give you advice uh, the podcast is for entertainment purposes, uh, educational purposes only. Uh, Jen, what is the best way for people to follow your personal evolution and get in co uh, contact with you if they want to get some coaching on meditation or yoga? Jenny does yoga on Instagram. It's super easy to remember. Awesome. Jenny does yoga on Instagram. And you do retreats, right? Yeah. I do, retreats. I do online courses. I do master classes. I have a master class that's coming up on resiliency. And mm. then um, I do three month, like, uh, re the quantum mindset course. It's a three month weekly meeting online. So I have various things depending on where you're at. And then one on one sessions as well. Yeah, and I'll say um, we had a couple of one-on-one -on -one sessions just going deeper into some different meditative practices that I hadn't had some experience with. And I still use uh, some of those techniques to this day, Lovely. and it's phenomenal. I mean, uh, amazing what, you know, I've studied different forms of meditation, yoga, tai chi, like I've tried to just dive into a little bit of everything over the years. And uh, there was a point where I got stuck and I reached out to you and said, hey, I got to take my meditation practice in a different uh, way. And you walked me through a couple of uh, different techniques that I still use and it uh, is extremely helpful. So there, there is no stopping point. There's no point where I think we just say, okay, I'm good. Don't need to learn anymore. So for our listeners that, uh, you know, are, have been doing meditation or yoga, great. Keep learning, keep growing. Right. Yeah. So Jenny does yoga on Instagram is probably the best place to find you. Well, Jen, thanks again uh, for joining us today. And uh, hey, listeners, remember that it does take time and consistency to evolve. But first, you have to disrupt. And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve. Thank you for listening to the Evolve podcast. If you like this episode, share it with your friends. Follow us on Instagram at Evolve underscore cast and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcasting app. 
And now it's time for you to get out there and evolve.